Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We'll go ahead and pray to begin. Heavenly Father, you, as we just sang, God, you are worthy. You are worthy of all things, of all blessing and honor and glory, God. You are worthy of our hearts. You're worthy of our adoration, God. You have created all things for your glory. Let us rejoice in that. Be with us in this time as we come and place ourselves once again under your word to be continually renewed in our minds, God, to be further shaped and fashioned from one degree of glory to the next, closer and closer into the full image of your son, God. Work that in us at this very moment. This very moment, God. Amen. Amen. One of the great joys of, of having kids and seeing them grow up and go from kind of one phase to the next is that you realize kind of the, the whole uh, atmosphere of your whole house kind of grows and shapes and moves from one phase to the next. And we have a, a, a resident uh, terrorist who lives in our house currently. <laughs> And and he had often made it nearly impossible for us to play board games. He would, some of the kids, the older kids, would get settled down playing board games, and he just couldn't help but to run by, smash the board, and then take off again, disrupting the whole game. This is finally beginning to calm down a little bit, and so now you have these resounding games of checkers and now chess being played in our house. And our passage that we have here before us today is much like the game of chess. It's easy to understand. You know where all the pieces go. It's easy to understand, but it's nearly impossible to master. It's easy to understand and it's impossible to master. And so that's where we're getting at our main point here is that we are to be rejoicing in the work of Christ. Paul lays it all right before us. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Brothers and sisters, we are to be rejoicing in the work of Christ. And we can do this no matter what's going on around us because God is unchanging. And when we are rejoicing and rejoicing in Him, well, then our rejoicing is unchanging because He is unchanging. But rather, when we are rejoicing in the things around us, as we're going to be looking at in the sermon, when we are rejoicing in the things around us, well, they change. And then our rejoicing changes. It peaks up high and it drops down low, and it peaks up high and it drops down low. But no, if we must, and we are invited to, rejoice in the Lord and rejoice in the work of Christ. So we're going to look at verse 4 here, and we're going to see... Just to fix our eyes upon Christ. Fix your eyes upon Him to be able to rejoice. And verses 5 and 6, well, don't go looking around at the world. You do, and you're going to be anxious. There's much to be anxious about in the world. And then in verse 7, finally, what we can do 
is rest and rest in Christ. So let's jump into verse 4 here. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. And again, going back to our intro here. When you're playing the game of chess, the, the board is always changing before you. It's always changing. But you think you're doing pretty good. You know, you're playing a seven-year-old. You think you're doing pretty good. And then before you know it, something comes striking across the board. And it kills you that the man, the, the horse head guy, he thought he was fine. Now he's out of there. And then your queen's gone. You're left with your king that's just going back and forth, back and forth in the corner. And you're just waiting until... How long until this is done until your seven-year-old, you know, says, checkmate, and it's finished. That's how we have our rejoicing. The board is always changing before us in the world. And we think we're doing fine, and it's easy to rejoice, and we've got it mastered, right? So long as we get our six hours of sleep, and we go through the drive through the coffee, and they actually make it right, and you're well on your way to work, and things are going good. But that doesn't stay like that, does it? No, it's constantly changing. Relationships are strange, strained and work is changing. And kids are growing up and going into new difficulties. And when we have a rejoicing tied into that, it's going to end. But when we focus on Christ and have a rejoicing in Him, like as Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. It's never beyond our grasp. No matter where you are, rejoicing is within you. Because God is within you. And I realize, I just want to encourage you in this, I realize it is difficult. It's not beyond our grasp, but it is difficult. And if it wasn't difficult, it wouldn't be in the Bible. Paul would have never had to write it to the church in Philippi if you just inherently did it. He wouldn't have to remind you to rejoice in the Lord always. But he had to write it to them. He had to write it to the rest of the body of Christ. He had to write it for the church throughout history. And he had to write it so that we could be hearing it this very morning. We need to be reminded of it. So if you come in this morning and you say, well, I can never do this. Well, that's exactly true. That's why it's in the Bible. So don't feel discouraged as though you have to conjure up more and, 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 and perform in such a way. So we, this rejoicing, let's just look at the text a little bit closer here. This rejoicing is basically an outward expression of your inward joy and delight. It's an outward expression of your inward joy and delight. It's, and it's, very, it's active by its very nature. So to help clarify, you can also look at what it's not. This rejoicing is not happiness. Your happiness has very little to do with your rejoicing. It is not contentment. It is not shallow. And it is not fake. And we know that it's this outward expression. And so what we oftentimes get tied into believing is that, well, I don't have this outward expression of joy. So if I could just manufacture this outward expression of joy, the inward part of me will be handled and taken care of. And then that's when we get it all backwards. And then we go, well, I'm doing these works. I'm doing more. I'm doing more. I'm doing more. 
And then before we know it, we're right on a road to legalism and to being like a Pharisee who we, we think are so terrible in the Gospels, but we follow that same path all the time. Even when we have this, this joyful command to rejoice before us, we go, oh, I must do more, I must do more. No! Rejoice and rejoice in the Lord. Have your heart transformed in the Lord and you will rejoice. And I, beloved, I think we do it a disservice to those around us. To the rest of the church and to our neighbors. And we, we give off a false sense of Christianity, to be honest. And it looks something like this. My life was horrible. I had all of these troubles. And then I came to faith. And now my life's great. And I'm rejoicing. Therefore... The syllogism, let's use it in your life. You have a terrible life. I can see that. That's quite clear. You should repent of your sins, just like I did. And then you, too, will have a wonderful, glorious life. And all of your problems will go away. But what we end up doing is diminishing who God is and what He has done to redeem His people. That our rejoicing has nothing to do with our present situation. Our rejoicing has everything to do with who the Lord is and what He has done for us and to us to redeem us and call us to Himself. That is why we rejoice. So as Kevin was talking about, you can be in the belly of the whale and you can be thankful and you can be rejoicing. It doesn't matter of your situation. That is what true Rejoicing is. So we are rejoicing and we are rejoicing in the Lord. And the Lord is the means by which we are rejoicing. And He's also the the object of our rejoicing. So when we're rejoicing in the Lord, we see that He's the means of it. We can't do it by ourselves. You cannot do it by yourselves. I well, quite frankly, I'm, I'm horrible at it, to be honest, as many of you know. Um, I mean, okay, see, you, you have, take your grandparents, you've four, you know, um, two dirt poor farmers from western Minnesota, a rancher's daughter from South Dakota, and a, a German missionary, and you take those grandparents, push them all together, and then you've got quite the curmudgeon on your hands here, to be honest. And I, and I see these these verses to rejoice and all of this, and I go, wow, that's probably for that's probably for people in California. They probably love these kind of verses, but no, like not here. And then it just takes a lot of energy, too. Quite frankly, I'm tired. I'm tired. But then the Lord, when He is the means by which you are rejoicing, you end up going far beyond yourself. Where you would ever be in your own comfort zone, when He is the means by which you are rejoicing, it not only goes beyond your situation, but it goes beyond yourself. And then you realize, I was made to do this. And what's even worse is, I kind of like it. And that's what you get when you realize that the Lord is the means by which you are rejoicing. That has nothing to do with your circumstances. But He's not only the means, as we said, He's also the object of our rejoicing. As we see, the Lord is, is He is the, the all in all. And so there is nothing else that can be the object of our rejoicing. Whatever troubles the world, 
when there's troubles in the world, when they cannot have Christ and His work, the Lord, as the object of their rejoicing. And this is the pitfall that the world will fall into. But Christians, brothers and sisters, we fall into this same trap. We can't be so foolish as to think that we're immune to all of this. Brothers and sisters, if you're not a Christian, you have to admit that rejoicing in the things of this world, it's frustrating and it's fleeting. Because there's, there's, there's a limit to it. Whatever you're going to rejoice in, whether it's sex or food, or your great job, or your great house. You realize that it's fleeting. It's like rejoicing in a Thanksgiving dinner, but then you eat it and it's gone. Well, now what? It's temporal. And so even in your moments of exhilarating highs, you have this shallow emptiness that's there because you know it's fleeting. And you're trying to fool yourself into believing the lie. But you know it's a lie. And Christians, we fall into the same trap. So we beg you to see that there is more. That there is more than just rejoicing in the things of this world. Because... When you are in Christ, you are able to rejoice in the Lord in the truest sense. And it shall never end. It's not fleeting, but death shall not be the end of our rejoicing. Death shall be a great leap forward in our rejoicing in the Lord because we will see Him face to face. And when our hearts are oriented and and focused upon the Lord and fixated upon Him, it seems as though the cares of the world kind of take care of themselves. Lost businesses aren't that big of a deal. And a dead-end job, well, it's all right. It's okay. A struggling marriage, that's fine. I can rejoice in the Lord. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the struggles of my marriage that I might see the sweetness of God and exhibit His forgiveness. Then we are able to rejoice. With all of this, All right, so perhaps you're tracking with me and you see that we are to be rejoicing and rejoicing in the Lord, that He's the means by which we rejoice. He's the object of our rejoicing. And we're doing pretty good until we get to this pesky little word, word, always. And then the wheels proverbially fall off the wagon. And this is where our shallow Christianity and shallow faith are revealed. Show me a man or woman who is rejoicing through the trials of life. And you will have someone whom the Spirit is working on. And bringing them to rejoice. Look at the life of Joseph. Many of you in Genesis, many of you are reading through him this week as you're going through the Bible. Hopefully in one year. And it's, yeah, it's easy for him to rejoice when he's the oldest son of his father's favorite wife and he's having dreams of his brothers bowing down, many of his older brothers, uh, bowing down to him. 
And he's got this fantastic coat. Things are going well. And yes, he can rejoice and rejoice. But you know the story. His brothers, they throw him into a pit. They sell him to some Arab traders who are actually descendants of his grandfather's brother. And he's brought to Egypt and he's sold off in a slave market. But this rejoicing that Paul is bringing us to, to, to seep down deep into our souls that it might be expressed out in our everyday lives when we are our favorite son of our father or whether we're being sold off in a slave market in a foreign land. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it again. Rejoice. So Christianity, let me, let me tell you this. Christianity is not intended to insulate you from, from the troubles of the world. Yes, the curse is being rolled back little by little by little. However, famine and death and, and plagues and slavery, there's more slaves now than ever before, continue to be the norm. Crime is still at hand. Human trafficking is now the fastest growing crime, criminal enterprise in the world. You can, only, you can only sell drugs once. You can sell a human again and again and again, if you know what I mean. Christianity will not insulate you from this. That's not the intent. So we have to put aside this notion that the faith in Christ will deliver us from all of the troubles of the world. And to be honest, I don't care how you get to death. I don't. If you're old or young or rich or poor, I don't care. Our great endeavor is that you are prepared for death. So that when it happens, you are able to say, Oh, death, where is your sting? And so God in His sovereign wisdom does not pull us out of all of these trials and struggles within life. So we're foolish to act as though there's not supposed to be there. Because when we believe that lie, it's impossible to rejoice in the Lord when things are muddled up all around us because of us or because of other people. Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. David the psalmist is not rejoicing because God gave him the high road around the valley of the shadow of death. That he was able to be up high, look down in there and say, well, what a terrible plight those people must down there must be having. That's not why he's rejoicing. He's not rejoicing that God has removed the enemies away from his table. But no, rather, he's rejoicing that God is with him through it all. That God is with him through the valley. That God is with him even while he's sitting at the table and his enemies are there as well. My friends, that is why we rejoice. Our rejoicing does not begin with the removal of the evil things around us. Within the world. Rejoicing does not begin when your marriage is doing swimmingly well. Rejoicing does not begin when your children are finally obedient. Rejoicing does not begin when your husband adores you the way he did ten years ago. 
No, rejoicing begins when you put aside the notion that God is going to remove all of these struggles and all of these trials out of your life. Your rejoicing begins when you realize that we are with Him. And He is with us. And when that sinks down deep into your soul, you are able to rejoice in even the most vile, the most vile of circumstances. The Johns, our missionary friends in Honduras, whom we support, we send down teams, COVID, and it's been delayed. Uh, they told us a story of a lady, I, bl- I believe they know her, who um, was sold into human trafficking. Someone shared the gospel with her. And she repented. And she turned to Christ and repented of her sins. And you know what happened the very next day? She was sold off to ten more men. And the next day, she was sold off to ten more men. And the next day, and the next day. She can't escape. They just drug her and bring her back. But you know what she does? She shares the gospel with every one of these horrific men. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So we must keep our eyes upon Christ. And He will sustain us through our trials and our temptations. And this is the mark of the Christian, my friends. Not that we are avoiding suffering, no. But that we rejoice in the midst of it. This is the mark of a true man and woman of God. It's not that they've achieved it. And we often put people on pedestals that, oh, they've achieved it. Oh, look at them. They're so fantastically successful in the world. Put them on a Christian pedestal. No, we should be elevating those who are walking through the valley and they're rejoicing. Those are the ones we should be elevating. Those are the ones that we should be seeking. Teach you, teach me. Teach me. Show me how to do this. Because it's quite obvious that you are able to rejoice because you know that even though you're going through this valley, God is with you. And we're tempted to think, I know, Okay, we're tempted to think, well, this sounds great. It's on Sunday morning. But don't you realize I have to leave here? I got to go to work tomorrow. Well, with that, I would contend. What do you do? Go back to the text. Look at verse 5 and 6 here. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, as Kevin highlighted, let your request be made known to God. So yes, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again. But thankfully, Paul and the the, the Holy Spirit in His infinite wisdom followed up verse 4 with verse 5. So you don't have to just run off and be a charismatic now, okay? We We can also delight in letting your reasonableness be made known to everyone. So we rejoice in the Lord and we rejoice that He is the, remember, He is the means of our rejoicing. He is the object of our rejoicing and we rejoice because He is always with us. But also, with the Lord being at hand, we are to also be free from anxiety. 
Do not be anxious about anything. And anxiety is, very many of you know, is more prevalent now than any, ever before. And I don't want to be numb to the fact that it happens to many of us, even who are here this morning. And there's, there's no trick. There's no, there's no behavior modification to get out of it. There's no trick to get out of it. But there's only one ball. When you're curled up on your floor beside your bed, in, unable to move because you're just petrified and horrified. That happens more than you realize. There's only one ball. And that is to realize that God is with you. The Lord is at hand. And He hears your pleas and your prayers and your supplications and your crying out to Him. Brothers and sisters, never, never take this for granted. That the God of all creation cares for you. And like little children, we get anxious about the outcome. But we must be trusting in His goodness. And it's difficult to see. I realize that. But like little children, once again, we must, we can know that there is an end and it is secure and that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And as He wills, so will it be and come to pass. And it is His will for Him to bring all of His children to home, to glory with Him. Paul writes, for I consider the sufferings of this present time. That they are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. It goes on later in the chapter. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation is able to separate us from the love of God that we have in Christ Jesus. So anxious child, child of God, know that you can trust Him. One of the ways that we trust Him is, is through our thankfulness. In every situation, whether we're single or longing for children or you, you're surrounded by strained relationships, we can be thankful in this. And it's evidence when we're thankful that well, when we're being thankful, it's just what we're doing is walking out this trust that we have in God. So I, I don't have a spouse yet, but I'm thankful. Well, we don't have children yet, but I am thankful. I don't know what my, the future, I have no idea what next year looks like. But I am thankful for what I have. And so, the degree to which we are, coming back to our main point, keeping our eyes fixed on the work of Christ, the degree to which we are Pointing our eyes to Christ. To that same degree, that's how much we are going to be thankful. That's how much we're going to be rejoicing. It's a direct correlation. You can't look into the face through scripture, through prayer, through praying, through, through rejoicing, through song. You can't look at him and not rejoice. You can't look at him and not be thankful. You can look at the world. Well, yeah, well, then you look around and there's nothing to rejoice in. And there's a lot to be anxious about. And there's basically nothing to be thankful for. So if you find yourself riddled with no rejoicing, no thankfulness, 
Fix your eyes upon Christ. Be proactive in it this week. Set aside time to go, God, as, as I'm reading your word, I want to be, God, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for the trials of my life. I'm thankful for my spouse. I'm thankful for whatever it might be. Be proactive in it. But also be reactive when you're called and when Satan brings that little whisper, that little temptation to you. No, I'm not going to believe that. I don't have to doubt God's goodness. I know I can trust Him. I know I can rejoice in Him in this situation. And yes, it looks terrible. It looks like there's no hope from anyone in this world as they look at my situation. But I know I can be, I can be rejoicing and I can be thankful and I can walk out in trust with Him. And when you do this, God will come and He will pick you up in His loving arms. And when that happens, you will see it. That you will have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. And it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So whether you're a believer or you're here, we're thankful you're here, but you're not a believer. I don't know all that you want, but I do know you want this. You want peace. You want peace with God. You want peace that surpasses all understanding. You want peace that will guard your hearts and minds. And you, my friends, can only have this peace when you have it through Jesus Christ. So turn to Him now. Turn to Him now with rejoicing and thankfulness. Don't let the world drown you with its sorrow and with its cares. But fix your eyes upon Christ in the midst of the storm. And He will be there with you. And He will carry you home to glory. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, bring us to rejoice in You. We will pray it again. God, bring us to rejoice in You. Have your spirit move in us that we might do the very things that you command us to do, God. And let us not fix our eyes upon this world that we can be anxious, that we can be overwhelmed. But God, let us trust in you and walk out this trust. I've been thankful. Father, thank you for sending your son. That we know all of this will culminate in the glorious worship of your son throughout all of eternity. So God, until you call us home, hold us fast and show us your love. Amen.